BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. You're listening to the best of Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. So how does the White House handle all this stuff? How do they try to explain to the American people what we're finding out about Twitter, what we're seeing about the southern border and uh, Title 42's imminent end? It is going to end, right? They can't keep using this thing forever. They're really just trying to drag this out because at some level, both sides, Democrat and Republican, recognize that you get rid of Title 42 and it is the floodgates are open, more so than they've already been. You've had about 5 million illegals in the last uh, two years, and the claim is that Title 42 has, has allowed for a total of 2 million people to be turned away at the border now i believe i believe title 42 allows them to be turned away right away uh, under certain circumstances so you still have five million who have entered i guess you would have had seven million who were in the country illegally um and and keep in mind all these numbers are are something of estimates there's gotaways there's a lot of other things that factor into this but let's start shall we with with the uh, hunter biden laptop situation and you know, they've done they've done such a an effective and dishonest job of trying to convince people that this is about Hunter Biden dancing around in his tidy whiteies with a with a boa on and aviators, you know, Biden's aviators with prostitutes and mounds of cocaine and handguns that he shouldn't be in possession of taking video of all this stuff while he's doing crack. And you know, yeah, OK, that's all true. But the reason the laptop was important is that it shows you after all of the remember they ran this campaign of trump is corrupt alongside the russia collusion stuff and you know trump was was uh, sexually assaulting women i mean they tried everything everything against him and as we all know and so now we sit here we say okay 
They also tried the emoluments clause. Do you remember this? The Washington Post was running stories about how Donald Trump's presidency should end because of a violation of the emoluments clause, which is really just in place so that a foreign country can't say, give the president, you know, a hundred million dollars. That that's you know, a violation of the emoluments clause, right? I mean, how many people actually had to look it up and had to take the time to figure out even uh, even what it is? It's Article One, Section Nine: No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any present emolument, office, or title from any king, prince, or foreign state. So you can't accept bribes from foreign sources, period. Obviously, you can't accept bribes from domestic sources either when you're president, or at least you're not supposed to. But, you know, there are there are some things. If the president is given, you know, uh, a, a, some kind of a, a token of affection by France or something, and they give him a, I don't know, who didn't someone give it? Didn't, didn't Obama give a an MP3 player with all of his speeches on it to a foreign head of state as if... Obama's unbelievable narcissism. I, I think was it or was it? I don't know. Maybe did Trump do it? Who? Someone gave a an MP3 player with uh, with all their speeches on it to a foreign head of state. It was Obama. Thank you, team. I thought so. I remembered that when I said, "Wow, wow." Why not just give you know? It's like that family member who gives a painting of himself to the to the the, the nephews. You know, hey, I thought you could use a painting of me. You know, it's like, wait, really? I don't, I don't know about that, but they. I bring up the emoluments clause because they were making an argument against, and this is going to tie into the Hunter Biden laptop, just to be clear. They were making the argument that Trump was unfit for office and should be removed from office. And I don't mean they as in a couple of loonies on the Internet, the Washington Post, Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat Party, the apparatus. They were making the argument that because foreigners would buy cheeseburgers and steaks at the Trump Hotel, that that was an emolument. As in, foreigners buying food at Trump Hotel was buying off Trump and his foreign policy. That was the argument they were making. Just to be very clear, that was really an argument that they were making. Now, contrast that with Hunter Biden, an obvious ne'er-do-well and total mess of a human being who is getting paid Millions of dollars, many, many millions of dollars by China. Again, noteworthy, not by Monaco, not by not even by, you know, uh, Great Britain or a close U.S. ally by China. He's getting paid millions of dollars. Why? We all know why. Because, hey, pop, as he calls his dad, we should get on the phone and talk about, you know, X policy or Y policy. There's no record of that. It's just a father talking to his son. The father happens to be the president. So that's how they're buying influence. We are not all idiots. We understand this is what they were doing. The same way that I remember when I was uh, when I used to go on CNN and argue with libs before CNN banned all real conservatives from its from its air. Uh, I, I said to them, I'll never forget. They sneered at me. I said, let's see if Hillary. This was in 2015. I was saying this. If Hillary loses the election, or I guess end of 2015, early 2016, if she loses the election, you're going to see the Clinton Foundation just crumble. Why? Because the Clinton Foundation wasn't about charity. It wasn't effective altruism, which is what 
FTX's Sam Bankman Freed was selling to everybody. Oh, it's not just altruism. It's effective altruism because I'm like really smart because I went to MIT and I just sort of I dress like a like a beach bum all the time. And I just walk around here and give me billions. Effective altruism. That's what they called it. No, the, the Clinton, the Clinton Foundation was really just built on being an influence peddling scheme under the guise of a charity. And you know this because what, ha- what happened to the Clinton Global Initiative after Hillary lost? Kaput, done, collapsed, gone, shut it down. Well, what, what do you mean? All those foreign governments didn't care about charity anymore? Didn't care about, you know, women's liberation and climate change? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. But they, they sneered at me. That's ridiculous. The Clintons are all about charity. If there's one thing Bill Clinton loves more than, you know, ladies with short skirts, it is charity. This is what they were telling us. This is what we were supposed to all believe. Hunter Biden had an access peddling scheme set up for his dad. The laptop was the smoking gun proof. And the former legal chief of the FBI became the legal chief of Twitter. The legal chief, when the Russia collusion delusion was used against Trump, became the head of legal at Twitter and was involved closely and intimately with the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop and all these policies that we're seeing that were meant to skew the election for the Democrats. I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. The election was rigged, rigged, was not held under fair circumstances. That is the truth. Now, there's no mechanism that we have to change that right now, but we got to make sure the next time it's not rigged, we've got to hold people to account in every way that we can and get ready for what's going to be, I think, one of the one of the most uh, I think we're heading into very rocky times here as a country. I really do. Um, because the left hasn't faced up to any any of the ugliness that it has created in, in politics, any of the distrust that it thrives on. Um, all this talk about saving our democracy, saving our democracy. They're absurd. They're absurd. They're the greatest threat to our democracy. The people who say they care so much about our democracy are the greatest threat to it. The people who are supposed to be the guarantors of the First Amendment, the media, are the greatest threat to free speech and freedom of the press. These are the times that we are living in. This is the reality that we see unfolding all around us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? 
It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you listening to us as we power through the program. And we are joined now by media giant. I'd like to be referred to that one day. Uh, radio industry veteran, uh, Jeff Smolian. Uh, he has done an amazing job as the CEO of MS Communications. He's got a brand new book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. Uh, and I-, I love this, uh, Jeff, and thank you for coming on with us. You say there's a fine line between a genius and an idiot. Uh, some people would say we walk that line, sometimes straying in both directions on this radio program every day. What have you found in business about that fine line? Well, I, I've said you know that there is a fine line, and I've been on it many sides, many times, both sides. Uh, and I, in the book, I have a chapter, uh, Idiot to Genius, which is the start of WFAN, which was the first all-sports radio station. And all of our guys said it was the single stupidest idea of all time. Uh, Jim Lampley called it the Vietnam War of Emmis, uh, and it was a kind of a disaster. Uh, and it, since it was my baby, I got needled about it. They called it Smullyan's Folly. And then one day it turned around. We put Don Imus on the air. We had Russo and Francesa. And the next day it was a national success, and I went from idiot to genius. Um, and then after that, we bought the Seattle Mariners, and I was kind of the boy wonder out there. And I was signing autographs and, and doing all sorts of interviews, and everybody loved the marketing and the new look of the team, and I was a genius. And then when it didn't work, uh, I became an idiot. And I always said there's nothing worse than being an idiot in front of 40,000 people every night. So that's What's life. the mo- – go ahead, go ahead, uh, Jeff. No, I just say that, that. That's what I've learned about life. That's why it's a roller coaster. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You just get to, you know, grit your teeth and smile through all of it. If someone's coming up to you and they say, you know, I think I want to either start a business or take a big risk, you know, an expansion. So some form of of entrepreneurial shift or elevation. If someone's like, I want to do this, yeah. how do you advise them? Because I know we got a lot of people listening who maybe already have a business or thinking about starting a business, and they might sit back and say, oh, I don't know, should I really do this? What do you say when people come up to you as somebody who have, have tried things and had big successes but also taken big risks? 
Well, I, and that's why I wrote the book. I think, listen, I think if you believe in something and you love it um, and you're willing to, you know, put it all on the line and have that kind of passion, I think you can be successful. You aren't always successful, but I think, you know, if you if you want to do something and you care passionately enough about it, I think you got to do it. You started Sports Talker Radio, and people right. out there listening know that I came from the Sports Talker Radio universe. You also owned the Seattle Mariners at one point. Right. I'm curious, uh, Buck and I were just talking, this DeSantis versus Trump battle reminds me of Alabama versus Auburn. It reminds me of Ohio State versus Michigan. Conversations that can take place, depending on those marketplaces, every single day. Yankees-Red Sox is another good one, where that rivalry is so passionate, it fuels the conversation all the time. Right. What did you find about Sports Talk Radio? And, and a lot of people dream about it, but what was it like owning a pro sports franchise? Well, one of my favorite lines was somebody once said, every man in America wants to own a Major League Baseball team except the 28 guys who do. <laughs> um, but I loved it. We made a lot of friends. I was proud of the work we did in Seattle. I always said we weren't, we weren't rich enough to own the Mariners. I joked and said, you really had to be a billionaire to own the Mariners or the Kansas City Royals. But if you had a good paper route, you could own the Yankees or the Dodgers. <laughs> um, you know, it was just the economics were wildly different in those days. But I loved it. Um, I'm really proud of some of the things, stuff and the stuff we invented in the ballpark, situational music and movie clips and contests and games uh, you see everywhere now. But it was absolutely revolutionary then. We're speaking to Jeff Smallian. He's the founder and CEO of MS Communications. His book is Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. Good advice, by the way. The Ups, Downs and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur Jeff, what are you? What are the trends that you see right now in media? I mean, we're talking to you right now on radio stations across America, but we also have a website, clanbuck.com. We've got podcasts going. We've got streaming video. Um, you know, Clay built a a sports uh, digital sports business at Outkick. We both do hits on TV at Fox, and you know, what do you see as? The trajectory right now, I mean, streaming is a big part of the conversation. Subscription service is a big part of the conversation. Where do you see it all going? Well, it's all fragmented so much. And I think, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge of streaming uh, is can you find enough subscribers? Uh, can you find an economic model? It's easier with talk than it is with music because you have giant music royalties, which is why Spotify went into podcasting. Um, you know, so they didn't have to pay the royalties. It is, it, it's a fragmented world. If you, if you follow the streaming services and video, uh, there's a big question as to whether the regional sports networks can survive because so many people have cut the cords. Uh, we have, you know, 340 million people and everybody's got, you know, f- fragmented places they go. Um, and it, it's hard to know how it'll shake out, only that it's totally different. And you have to sort of be a, a flexible enough to adapt. I think you guys have done a brilliant job, you know, putting your content in a lot of different places. It may work in some places. It may not be profitable in others. But I think we're in an era where you just have to experiment with a lot of different things. We get the question a lot, uh, Jeff, and I appreciate you coming on, and the book sounds really fascinating. If you were talking to a young person today, and, and Buck said, you know, you're interested in entrepreneurship, or but if you were interested in moving into media, What would you tell them is the most important thing they should be learning in order to train themselves going forward? Well, again, I think there's two things. I think, number one, um, the most important thing is your word. 
when you work with somebody, if, if, you, if they know your word is good and they trust you, that, that helps you an awful lot in any enterprise. I don't care whether it's you know, starting a job or being married or having kids or, or having friends. Uh, I also think, again, you have to have the passion. Uh, I, I tell people starting out when you get a new job, volunteer for more stuff. The more people can count on you and the more you, know, you, know, you are willing to go out and do things, the more you move up you know, the food chain. No doubt. The book is fabulous. We need to have you on uh, maybe somewhere down the line. Again, we appreciate all the support you've shown for this show, and we would encourage everybody out uh, there to go make sure that they check it out. Uh, the book, again, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. On the way out, I'll let you say this. You obviously have an incredible uh, uplifting sort of mindset about you. How much of your success do you think is internal based on the energy that you put out into the world for everybody out there in terms of their own lives? Well, I think it's internal because I think you have to have a spark. Although I've said, somebody said, what's it take to be an entrepreneur? I said, look, we're all the entrepreneurs of our own lives. You know, that we really are. I think part of it's internal. Part of it is I've been fortunate to work with people my whole career who I just love and who make me look smarter than I am every day. And that helps a lot. No doubt. Jeff Smallian is the author. We encourage you to go check out his book. Thank you for the time today, sir. Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's great. Thank you. No doubt. James Golden with us now. He has a new book out next month, Rush on the Radio, a tribute from his sidekick for 30 years. James, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being such a huge part of this show's history what was the writing process for this book like for you as it pertains to going back over all those great memories? Difficult. And thank you for uh, thank you so much for having me here. It's kind of surreal. It was very difficult because it's still hard for me and, and, and many of us that worked with Rush for so long to come to terms with the fact that, uh, you know, Rush is gone to his reward for 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 displaying such talent on loan from God for so long, and um, so it brought back a lot of memories. And then some of it at, at times was funny, as you recall, different things that happened over the course of the years. And and more importantly, there's a sense of uh, uh, for me anyway, there was a sense that that look, this had I had to get this right because I want this audience. Rush was insistent. The, he, he used to tell us all the time the show was a thing. He was always insistent on meeting the expectations of the audience. And those of us who worked with him uh, shared that. We wanted to please Rush. We wanted to make sure we shared his passion for excellence. And so there's a bit of a feel of pressure. This has to be right. I got to get this right. And so I hope it is. And I hope that the, uh, the audience, this vast audience that Rush grew and that you're now carrying on the legacy, will be pleased with, with the book. Hey, James, it's Buck. You know, I appreciate all those times when you sat down with me and uh, helped me prep to take my first moments at the EIB mic over the years filling in for Rush. So thank you for uh, being the Obi-Wan Kenobi to my uh, young Padawan or Skywalker <laughs> or whatever. I really do appreciate it all those times. So thank you for that. Uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, if you would just tell folks, how did you and Rush get linked up? I mean, how did this amazing... Uh, this amazing duo come together, and, and you were able to be a such a, a long-time part of the EIB. Where did it all begin? 
It began in New York. I met Rush the very first day he came to New York. I wasn't working on the show at that point. I met him outside of the uh, ABC headquarters at 1330 Avenue of the Americas. He was with the then uh, president of, um, a- of EFM Media, Ed McLaughlin, and I had known Ed. I had worked at, at WABC before, so I knew Ed. And I saw Ed outside with this guy. And I walked over, said hello, and, uh, and, and Ed introduced me to Rush Limbaugh. And when Rush began to talk about what, and they began to talk about what he was going to do, I remember saying to him, wow, you're going to be bigger than Paul Harvey. And, you know, it turned out to be, of course, that Rush was unto himself the most successful radio broadcaster of our time. And not only a successful broadcaster, he changed the entire dynamic for the American media. And on top of all that, was just an incredible humanitarian and wonderful human being. It's a great statements that you're making here, James. I'm curious, obviously the book, I would encourage people to go check it out, make sure that they read it because they'll learn so much, rush on the radio, a tribute from his sidekick for 30 years. What do you think will most surprise people who have been longtime listeners of the radio show when they read your book? I don't know whether they'll be surprised, but they'll learn, I think, a little bit more about some of the people. And I wish I could have mentioned every single person that meant that that worked on this show and and let me take the opportunity to, to do that right now um i felt very guilty over the years for receiving so much attention because of course i was in the studio with rush um most of the, those years and rush and i had an interaction but any, any one of our staff any single person on the rush limbaugh staff could have written this book because rush hired people that brought their A-game to the table every single day, and then he left you alone to do your work. So every single person on this staff was just as committed to the Rush Limbaugh show and was just as committed to Rush Limbaugh. We have, and, and we had an incredibly diverse staff, which the left would never believe because, of course, they are, are they they just caricature people and that's it. They never do the investigation. But we had an incredibly diverse staff. We had a, a staff that was just in love with their boss. Now, where do you find that? Most people came on to the Rush Limbaugh show, and whatever point they came on, they never they didn't leave. You've had people, and most people in this show have been working here 20, 30 years um, or, or more. And it was because of who Rush was. It was because... Not only was he generous, I mean, we can focus on that. And by the way, even now, I learn stories about his generosity. I, I did the a podcast series for iHeart and for Premier Radio Networks on, on Rush's life. And that podcast series, we were learning even then hearing from people with different stories. And, of course, we run across them. Listeners, listeners to this show have their own stories about how Rush impacted their lives. So, yes, you get all of that. But all of the people that worked on the Rush Limbaugh show to make it happen, each one could have written this book because we all had interactions with us. We were all inspired by him. And more importantly, we all loved Rush Limbaugh, the man. It's not just that he was the most incredible broadcaster. It's not just that he changed the political landscape of America, which he did. It is not just that he changed the media landscape of America which he did. It was that the man himself was an example of what 
a man should be. He was kind. He was generous. He was the kind of person that you would want to say, this is my friend. He was the kind of person that you would want to say, this is my boss. And I love working for him. And so for all of us on the staff, I kind of feel like, and I hope that the rest of the staff and everyone listening here that worked here would feel proud reading this book too because we all had the same feelings about Rush, all of us. We're speaking to James Golden. He has a book out next month, Rush on the Radio, a tribute from his sidekick for 30 years. James, obviously for this audience, you are known uh, by Rush's affectionate name for you, Bo Snurdly. What can you tell us about this? I, I think a lot of people would just be curious, even if they were listening to the show for a long time, where did it come from? There have always been Snurdlies. The only thing is no one remembers the other ones. Well, I'll give you a hint. There was Marvis Snurdly. There was Mervis Snurdly. So my first day working with Rush. Now, Rush and I had had interactions before I was rotated onto the show, and that was at 56 stations. That's when they were just 56 stations, and the show grew like gangbusters to over, of course, 600. Uh, but so the very first day I'm, I'm, I walk in, I bring in my little stack of stuff for us to look at stories that I think he might be interested in. And he said to me, well, uh, you know, you have to be a snurdly, right? Uh, yeah, this was five minutes before. So which snurdly do you want to be? Well, I looked down on the uh, desk and he had, this is back in the days when we actually had real newspapers, not ver- not, not online newspapers. And there was a copy of the Daily News among um, among the assorted other newspapers on his desk. And this was flipped to the back page, the sports page. And Bo Jackson had done something or another that earned him the headline. I saw the name Bo, and that was it. Little did I know that 33 years later, I would still be Bo. And it's totally cool. I love it. And that's how that happened. At least Bo Jackson's one of the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, that's not a bad motivation. When I hear your name, the first thing I would think of is Bo Jackson. Uh, so, uh, so that makes a complete connection for many people out there, I think. Yeah, Bo knows, right? <laughs> yeah, Bo knows all. You know, James, Rush always said, as long as I'm here, it doesn't matter where here is. That sentiment for a lot of folks going to ring a little different now, but the book you've written is a way of keeping him here, isn't it? I mean, what do you want this audience to take from it? What do you want them to know about the man that so many of the people listening across the country right now remember listening to and having as a close friend, an advocate, a confidant for, in some cases, 30 years? What I would like is for this just to be just the beginning for all of us. You know, Rush was to many of us a hero, and he will be a hero for the rest of our lives. He had a special place that no other broadcaster, no other media personality had because he transcended a person on the radio. He became part of your life. He became part of your family. He was part of your day every day. And what I want more than anything else is for this just to be the beginning. People in this audience have their own stories, and they should tell those stories. We should see movies. We should see people writing about Rush from now on because we have to define our heroes. We have to define those. We cannot let a hateful political left define who Rush Limbaugh is for history. It is our job to make sure that the proper story about who Rush Limbaugh is and what he achieved is told from this day forward. That's our job. James Golden. The book is Rush on the Radio, a tribute from his sidekick for 30 years. James, I appreciate you, Clay, the whole team here, and everyone listening across the country for 
all you've done, and best of luck with the book. I'll be getting a copy myself. Thank you so much, and again, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and a top-tier data security system. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash clay to switch to the cell phone company my family relies on, Pure Talk. My brother David, well-known author and uh, agent for many highfalutin uh, personalities and, uh, and celebrities, as well as lawyer. And he's the author of this, probably the book that he was intended to write his whole life. This is the one he's been building up to. Welcome back in. You just heard Rush Limbaugh there bringing us in. And we are indeed about to be joined by David Limbaugh. His new book is The Resurrected Jesus. It's the latest book in David's Jesus series, explores the church in the New Testament. David, you wrote the book with your uh, daughter, Kristen, I believe, who's the oldest of your five kids. So congrats. I'm sure that was a really cool experience. But we thought we'd let Rush have the honor of asking the first question of you. If I may say, folks, this book is it's rewarding. It is confidence inspiring. It's heartwarming. And it's impossible to explain it in a half hour on the radio. It's an amazing piece of work. This is a pretty risky subject. You're dealing with people's faith here. 
And in many cases, faith is all people have to sustain them. One of the refrains is that it can't be proved. That's the test. So why did you decide to do it? Why did you decide to write the book? Am I queued up here now? Am yes. We want yeah, you to you're ready to roll. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, you guys. And Rush was referring to my first Christian book, Jesus on Trial. This book is the fifth in the series. And as you guys mentioned, I, I co-wrote this with my daughter, Kristen Bloom. And it is about... Uh, the, the last book, Jesus is Risen, was about Paul's, about the book of Acts, the history of the early church, and Paul's first six epistles. This book is The Resurrected Jesus, is about Paul's final seven epistles, his prison epistles that he wrote while in, in prison in Rome under house arrest, and three of them are the pastoral epistles he wrote to his colleagues and understudies. We wrote these books. I have written these books, and now I'm writing this with Kristen to bring people closer to the Bible, to go through the, bu- the Bible, these books of the Bible, chapter and verse, and help people understand, intersperse commentary and insight on a lay level. We don't have theology or doctrinal degrees in biblical studies, but I believe that I was situated where uh, new believers are, or skeptics are, and I-, I wish someone would have written these kinds of books for me, and I just want to help other people, and so does Kristen. We also add interactive prayers. Uh, that Kristen primarily wrote, in, in addition to her contributions to the text, that we believe help people interact with the, the text and with Scripture. The ultimate goal is to inspire people to go to the Word of God, the Bible itself. Speaking to David Limbaugh, brother of Rush, his latest book is The Resurrected Jesus. And uh, David, Rush often spoke about your books over the years, and I know you talked to him about it on air many times. And one thing that he often pointed out was how easy your books are, you mentioned this, for uh, laymen to read and digest, because this can be pretty intimidating, pretty heady subject matter, right? I mean, faith and God and our relationship with, with Jesus Christ. You yourself were a former skeptic. How did you arrive where you are today in terms of your belief and, and the desire you have to share that belief with others? Well, we don't have... a time for me to tell you the whole thing, but let me just abbreviate it by saying that I, I was a skeptic, and, and then I started studying the Bible. I was introduced to the Bible being the inspired Word of God. All of the Bible is God-breathed. It's inerrant, despite what people say about the alleged contradictions. But once I realized through studying the biblical prophecies and other proofs for Christianity's truth, I was convinced that I was holding in my hands the Word of God, and that was an epiphany. That was a goosebump experience, because before I just thought the Bible was a, a, stories of, of people, and it was a holy book, but it, but it was nothing as special as I ultimately came to believe. When I realized I was holding the Word of God in my hand, that God is directly speaking to me and anyone else who reads it, it blew me away. And so I, I developed a voracious uh, pattern of reading as much as I could, and reading about it as much as I could, inhaling theology books and commentaries. And, and then, you know, I would get into teaching Sunday school and felt like I had a facility for helping people understand, primarily because I came from a perspective of, of doubt. So I wanted to address people who were intimidated by the Bible and tell them if they give it a chance, and if they listen and read things about it, they might be inspired to read it themselves. And if they do read it themselves and they haven't found God, they will find God. They will find Jesus Christ. And and if they have found God and they're still intimidated, 
if they they learn a little bit about the Bible, and we we hope we can help them overcome some of this intimidation, then they'll start to read it, and then God will speak to them in their lives, and it will change their lives dramatically. David, you have five kids. Uh, My oldest, my middle son, sorry, turned 12 today, so we had a celebration this morning for him. Your oldest helped write this book with you. As a parent, I imagine that had to be an incredible experience. Also the first book you've published since Rush Past. What did you find the writing experience to be like with your daughter as a parent? And also, what was writing a book like post-Rush for the first time? Did that feel different? Yes. Well, I asked Kristen to join me because she is very spirit-filled and a prayer warrior. And I wanted to add a lot of prayers in this book. I hadn't done that before. And she's so good at this, and she's so good at writing. She writes op-eds for Fox News on the Christian Christian themes. And so when I asked her, she was elated, and I thought, how gratifying it would be to be able to work with one of my kids on a book. She loves writing. Give her a jump start into book writing. The Resurrected Jesus is the book. David Limbaugh. David, please come back again. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today, and best of luck with the book. Thank you, and I appreciate you guys carrying the tarts. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tunnel to Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiancé who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's t the number two, t.org. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify. It pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.